Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you on Labor Day weekend. This is a great turnout. Look at this. For Labor Day weekend? Come on. Oh, my goodness. Good to see friends that just got married. Raise your hands. Rice, Rice family. That's awesome. Woo-hoo. That's awesome. Yeah. You should be here after a week of honeymooning and, and awesome times. So, no, it's so good having you guys. It's so good having you guys. But... Man, this morning we're switching up things a little bit. We're going to be doing communion here a little bit, but we're starting a new series today called Making Room, Making Room. And, and um, eight years ago, Amy and I, we bought a house, and the house, it's a three-bedroom home um, with an unfinished basement. That, that was how it came to us. And, um, and w- with the intention that if we ever wanted to, we could turn the downstairs into a nice office for Dad and a, a nice big rec room and maybe even have some storage. It'd be awesome. But as you guys know our story, hey, Mac, wave your hands, buddy. There's my buddy. Jesus brought us Mac and took my dreams of an office and home away. But no, it's <laughs> Amy goes, hey, guess what? And so um, a few months before the baby came, at that time, um, Adelie and Auburn, they stayed in a, a room together. They shared a room, and, and then Grant had his own room. And so at that time, we realized we really need to build two bedrooms in the basement to get the girls down into, and then that way Mac can go into the girls' room, Grant stays where he's at, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so that was the intention um, with our little surprise named Maverick, and literally, I had to make room for him. Does that make sense? I had to make room, uh, I had to do something to create space for him. It took me months to do it. Because um, I'm not a, a, a really good at that stuff. I, I can do it. It just takes me a long time. If you ever worked with me, you know it takes me a long time on that stuff. But I built those two rooms in the basement, and it took time. And it took resources. And it took skill or abilities that I, over time, I, I put to prepare a place for my children, you know. And, and think about it this way. Yes, I did make the room for them because they're important to me. I did make the room for them because I love you guys, all right? Um, This is not all my kids, all right? Some of these are friends. It's about like that, though. And, um, but but when it came down to it, check this, I, I had to make room. Why? Because more was coming, period. I had to make room. Everybody say, more is coming. I like that, just that sentiment of more is coming. And if you know my son, Maverick, Maverick? Maverick is definitely more. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. And so when it came down to it, we had to make room for more because more was coming. And, and, and I want to say for you in your life, I feel that we as believers, at times we need to make more room because God wants to do something more in our lives. I, I believe that he wants us to experience more of his presence. Amen. Amen? I believe, you know, I'm going to throw this out here. Can I throw this out here today? Um, I had somebody tell me not too long ago, I just love ever so often going to this place because they're just so expressive in worship, and, and, and I, that's awesome, man. I'm like, be expressive here. Well, I don't want to do that, you know. I don't want to be the first. Can I tell you, be the first, it's okay. This front row is, this right here is your space for Jesus, whatever you want. I don't, you can run the aisles for all I care, shout somebody. Okay, I'm just being honest, you know, uh, you know, but the idea of making room for his presence, the idea of making room for his power, the idea of making room for, for just who he is, his plan in our life. And over the next few weeks, we're looking at this idea of making room, and I'm kind of putting a subtitle to it, making room for more, you know, because I believe God wants to do more in our lives. 
And here, here's the reason why I want to make room for more, because it's, it symbolizes who God is, to be honest. It's just, it's part of his characteristic, you know. In the Old Testament, there's a name for God that's beautiful, and it's actually the name of the patriarchs of our faith, Abraham and, and, and Isaac and Jacob. It's the name that they would have known God by, and it was the name El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. And you'll see it translated in, in Scripture as God Almighty. Everybody say Almighty. But when it comes down to it, this idea of Almighty God, this idea of El Shaddai, literally it means this, the God of more than enough. I love that. He, he's not just the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. He, he's the God of literally what it means is all sufficiency. He is the all sufficient God. And as we look in Genesis chapter 17, we start to see this name play out. It says in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Everybody say El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Man, God blessed Abram. Amen? It goes on in Genesis 35, 11 through 3. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Say El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I'll give to you, and I'll give the land to your offspring after you. Watch this. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. In the place where he had spoken with him. I don't know what was going on in Abraham's life, but thank God in a moment Abraham had a place. He had a space. He had a, 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 a circumference where, God, I'm talking to you right now, Lord. I'm walking with you right now, Lord. I'm pressing into your presence right now, Lord. What will you say? And he says, I am the El Shaddai. He says, I am the all-sufficient one. I am the God Almighty, and I got plans for you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to multiply you. More is coming. Hold on. But I'm 99 years old, and have you seen my wife lately? Not me, Abram. God's like, watch out, more. Everybody shout, more is coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, sometimes I think because of televangelists, we have got off the concept, at least me, an overcorrection that I want to be afraid of talking about God's blessing too much. You know what I'm saying? Because that's all you hear, name and claim, blab and grab, call and haul, you know what I'm saying? You know? And, and, and I, I want to guard my heart from that. But sometimes when we overcorrect, we forget Jesus does want to bless his children. You know? God does want to bring more than enough to you in the area where you have need. Not just enough. He is the El Shaddai, the God of all sufficiency. He wants to bring more than enough. Genesis 28.3 even says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. I love that. That God that is the God of all, of more than enough. That one that is all sufficient. Say the all sufficient one. Say that. Say it again. Say all sufficient one. I love that. All. All. That means there's nothing that can be added to him. That means that in and of himself, he is completely sufficient. That means in and of himself, he is, is high and he is lifted up. That means that he lacks nothing. And what's beautiful about it as a Christ follower, I find myself in him. Isn't that awesome? You find yourself in 
him. And in him, he's all sufficient. And in him, he lacks nothing. And so in Jesus, I'm all sufficient. And in Jesus, I lack nothing. Now watch this. If he is all sufficient, then everything else in life is less than sufficient, right? I mean, think about it that way. If he is the one in the world that is all sufficient, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing else that can be all sufficient if he is all sufficient. So that means that everything else in life, apart from God, is less than sufficient. And you may say, you know, Pastor Brantley, great job last week on your sermon, Pastor Brantley. You may, yeah, give him, thank God. You may say, but my finances look like they're not sufficient. I get that. Mine too. I'm not going to trust in my finances. That's not my sufficiency. Jesus is my sufficiency. Because everything else that's not Jesus is less than sufficient. i got to just say it one more time. I I love this. If he is all sufficient, then everything else is less than sufficient. All right? Now, here's a problem with that, though. Too often, I put so much attention on things in my life that aren't sufficient. I don't know about you, I put a lot of attention on things. My hair looks fly today. Some of you are like, no, it looks ridiculous. I like it. Hush. You know? And I put attention to it. Not a whole lot. It doesn't take me long. A little bit of Murray's palmate. I'm a Dapper Dan man. No, I'm not. I'm a Murray's man. Just a little bit of that. And, man, I'm rocking, you know? And, um, but, no, we put a lot of attention on things that are less than sufficient. It's not that they aren't good, all right? I'm not saying the things that we put attention to aren't good. It's just they lack the sufficiency to maintain us, okay? I'll give you an example. Amy, I love her dearly. You guys know that, all right? But my wife isn't sufficient to make me happy. She's not. She makes me happy, but she's not sufficient to keep me happy at all times. Neither is your spouse, right? And sometimes we put that on to our spouse, hoping that they'll make us happy, and it's because we're not finding a place with the El Shaddai where we find our sufficiency, and we put a demand and an expectation on those around us to make us feel sufficient when they never were designed to do that in the first place. Our sufficiency is found, everybody say, in Him. I love that. Your job isn't sufficient to make and provide for your every need. You know that? It's not. It's funny. I remember as a young preacher thinking to myself, if I could ever make $25,000 a year as a pastor, I will have arrived, you know? I'm serious. And then I can remember making the $25,000. If I can ever just hit forty, nobody in the world would ever need more than $40,000 a year. I remember that, you know? You know what? It doesn't matter what that scale looks like. You keep walking up that scale, and it always comes up short. Somebody say amen. I was going to say somebody with a six-figure income say amen, but I didn't say that. I didn't didn't say that, all right? But it's true. It doesn't matter what you make. It's not sufficient, especially if we're not prioritizing our life in all areas. It will always rob from us. We'll lose that sufficiency. The next thing I think about when it comes to sufficiency, I'm a relational person. I love my friends. I do. But you know what? My friends aren't sufficient to make me feel content in my own skin. They're not. I got some good buddies. I really do. I want to give honor to Brian Choate and his, his meat stuff. His, woo! If you don't know Brian, <laughs> he makes some of the best barbecue in the world, and yesterday was his first day out doing business. 
and I'll just give the report. Business was good. <laughs> Man, sold out. Had everything that they expected to happen, happen, and so proud. But, you know, I love Brian. I do. And, um, but, man, if Brian is where I find my sufficiency, I mean, he can't even keep Christy happy, let alone me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm teasing. <laughs> Christy's like, amen, preach, preach. But, but I'm serious, you know. I love Pastor Corey. I love Brantley. I love, I love them, you know. I love Jeff. I just think of different ones. Mitch and Jason and Todd I've known for years, you know. But, man, my friends, they can't, they can't make me feel sufficient. They can't. They, they can't make me feel content. Who makes us content? Him. Jesus. He is all sufficient. Everybody say it again. He is the El Shaddai. Say the sufficient one. The all sufficient one. The God of more than enough. Man, why, why do I waste my time with so much other stuff? I do, you know. I, now listen, I hope you don't get in the mindset when I say we got to create a place for him, making room for him, that it's the idea that we become cloistered monks somewhere back in the woods. Now some of y'all are like, that sounds awesome. How many want to go cloister? It's okay. It's, I, I know a few of you. It's like, I just want to just on my face before God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, and that's it. That's as far, you know, for hours and days and months. Some folk got to work. I get that. All right? But, but this place that you make with the sufficient one, man, it, it's a place you find in your marriage. It's a place you find in your work. It's a place you find in your recreation. It's a place you, it, it's, a, it's a sense about you where you realize he is everything, and he is with me right now, and I am with him right now. It's not just a place you visit, it's a place that goes with you. Come on, amen? It's that kind of mindset, that kind of heart that's turned toward Jesus. I, I think a lot of times in our culture, not, not momentum, just in general, it, it's easy to um, visit church on a Sunday, get a good word, and we don't think about spiritual stuff much until middle, till, till by the middle of the week we kind of forgotten about spiritual stuff. You know, and, and we revisit again on Sunday. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. The all-sufficient one, sufficient in your giving, sufficient in your living, sufficient in your marriage, sufficient in your college experience, sufficient. And you're finding him and weaved in and through and you're inviting him to find place and for you to find place with him everywhere, everywhere you go. So with that, I want to make room for God in my life. I want to literally make room for more. All right, now watch this. Instead of making room for more, too often in life, we make room for less. We all do that, don't we? If he's the all-sufficient, if he's more, and everything else is less, a lot of times in my life, I sure make a whole lot of room for less and not a lot of room for more. Uh, my wife... Um, I'll just throw it out there. I wasn't going to talk about it, but how can I not? Um, last week, I got blessed with the BMW. Now, hold on, hold on. Everybody in here is going, I knew it was one of them kind of churches. Oh, Lord, it's not. It is not. Um, I, I don't know why. I, 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 it's just, it blows my mind. A man was blessed with a vehicle from the place he works, and he wanted to bless me with the vehicle that he's been driving since 2004. And um, he, he said, I just wish it was new. I'm like, it's new to me, baby. It's, it's new to me. And, um, but I say that because my wife goes, you got to make room for it. There's, I mean, already there's cars in the driveway and there's stuff in the garage. And there's, you know, it's like you got to make room. Well, I got a whole lot of stuff I don't need, right? 
And Amy's like going, that motorcycle. No. No, 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 no. Bite your tongue, woman. Um, but I have to make room. There's a lot of less in there that's getting in the way of, of the more, of, of, of better things. And I think a lot of times in our life, we make a lot of room for less instead of making room for, for more. And what I mean by that, our lives are full already, aren't they? And now pastor's asking me to add one more thing. What, do I need to spend uh, an hour and a half with God every day? I mean, Ross, even a half hour would really strap me. I don't know how I could. I get that. I do. I, trust me, I get that. You know? No, that's not what I'm saying, but our lives are already full. Full of people, full of to-dos, full of various things. But sometimes our life are so, lives are so full, they feel empty. Why? Because we're not inviting the sufficient one into the life. Does that make sense? So you can do and do and do and do and do, go and go and go and go, be and be and be, but if the sufficient one doesn't come, then we're making room for less, not making room for more, and we wonder why we feel less, why we feel lack of satisfaction, why we feel diminished and not sufficient, you know. And so all I'm saying is in your life, everywhere in your life, man, include the presence of God. Lean in on Him. Talk with Him, you know. Find out his opinion on something. You ever do that? You know? Watch him be a part of that relationship. In your marriage, you guys are going in the middle of a fight, and next thing you know, stop, 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 stop. What? You going to bring something up from the past? No. I want to pray. I want to ask Jesus into this moment. Can we do that? Watch your spouse fall out under the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's like, boom, no, I'm teasing put a towel over them. I mean, it's, it's done deal, you know? you know? But I'm being honest, you know? So, inner, are you spiritual people? Yes. We're a spirit that lives in a body, you know? We have a mind that has a will and emotion. We have a soul that has mind, will, and emotions, you know? But we're a spirit that lives in a body. But often, the less captures us and our attention and our focus and everything. And all I'm saying is figuring out how to go, God, I am spirit. I am not flesh. I'm spirit first. But what does it look like to connect and make place for you? What's it look like, God? I, I don't want to just make room for less. Jesus always modeled making room for more. Now think about it this way, okay? Jesus had this daily practice of pulling away to find time with God. And what's amazing about it is, did Jesus have any lack? No. But Jesus was 100% man, and the man had lack. It's weird how you think about it, because the divine side of Jesus had nothing, no need whatsoever, period. But that human side of Jesus, he needed to lean in on daddy. He needed to find his place with God. He needed to hear. He even would say things like, I don't do a thing unless the Father tells me. I bet if we lived that way, close to the presence of God, and our actions, attitudes, and, and, and activities stemmed from what the Father told us, we'd have a whole lot more sufficiency in our lives, a lot more satisfaction in our lives. A lot more health in our lives, you know. And so even Jesus did this. But Jesus had all the power in the world. I mean, he blind eyes open, lame walk, mute speak, deaf hear. I mean, Jesus, walking on water, Jesus. But what would he do? He'd pull away and take time with God, you know. He had influence. All the influence. I mean, he could draw crowds and crowds of people. He had friendships. Friendships with people who literally later on in their lives, would lay their lives down for Jesus. Those kinds of friends. He had all that. But you'd find him pulling away to take time with his father. 
In Mark chapter 1, it says, Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. That's Jesus doing that. Why? Because he needed the El Shaddai just like us when he was in the earth. And he would go and seek the all-sufficient one. And after he had dismissed the crowds, it says, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I like that about Jesus because to me, sometimes it's morning, sometimes it's evening. I'm not one that is like, this is my time every day, period. Okay, I struggle with that. Am I alone in that? Anybody struggle with that? My time with God, if you will. But I find my time with him through the day. I find my time with him as he draws me and as he draws me to himself and as I go through my day. It's like, man, I just need to take that time with him. So I love how Jesus in the morning, here he's at night, goes on and says, in these days, in Luke chapter 6, 12, in these days he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. There is those seasons where you are on your face seeking God. There are those seasons where you're like, I'm not letting go, God, until I have an answer. I, I'm, I'm pressing in to the kingdom of God here, you know? When I was growing up, they would call it holding on to the horns of the altar. What in the world? Here in a moment, we're going to look at tabernacle. In the tabernacle, the mercy seat sat upon the Ark of the Covenant. They would hold on in a sense. I mean, they wouldn't touch it, but that idea of holding on to what God's going to do. I'm not leaving his presence until I get what God has for me. That's a powerful, powerful thing. I think sometimes in our modern day, we've lost some of that, you know? And so literally, building a place, making a room... Where man meets God has always been something that's in the DNA of man. It's always that, that idea of, of carving out time or space to connect with God. It starts with the garden. It starts with Adam and Eve who in the cool of the evening, they would walk in fellowship with the presence of the Lord. The moment sin came, the moment sin came, that separation came. Man, think about that. It's sin that separates us. Sin came and separated man from that kind of fellowship. Jesus, the new Adam, comes and restores that kind of fellowship with the Father. And at times we don't avail ourselves of that. We don't, we don't do as Jesus did and pull that time away. Or, or while you're going through your day, uh, confer with the Lord on what he desires in this situation. You know, Everything that we have. And everything that we are should be focused toward making room for God. Literally. That's in our finances. That's in our health. That's in our relationships. It's in our marriage, in our workplace. A sense of purposefulness within us to create space for God within our lives. You say, "But, but Ross, God is everywhere. I know that. I know he is. I know he's everywhere. There's a pragmatic thing that he draws close to those who seek him. There's a pragmatic kind of expression where you begin to sense experientially that he is close. You begin to hear his voice because you're postured in a way that he is close. I mean, he's there, but you're close to where he is. You're creating this sense of space to where he is. Ross, could that get spooky? Yeah, it could. He could tell you things to do, tell you things not to do, tell you places to go, tell you places not to go. It's awesome. We serve a speaking God, amen? Can I say it again? We serve a speaking God. But when we posture ourselves and we're purposeful to create that space within our lives, man, God shows up in a significant way. 
We see that all the way through the Old Testament. It, it comes up to a point where God wants to create an environment where people can say, there I am. All right, the, the, the word is Jehovah Shammah. It's the Lord is there, the Jehovah Shammah. And where the Lord is going to show up is there where the tabernacle is. And so God tells Moses to build a tabernacle. And with the tabernacle, the outer course, the inner course, the Holy of Holies, we'll talk more about this in the next few weeks, there's a place where the presence of God, this, this Holy of Holies, man, the Ark of the Covenant's there. <clears throat> but God instructs Moses to build this tabernacle. And I want to I show you something as I, as I close with this as we get ready to go into communion. The thing with the tabernacle that's so neat, it took effort to build it. Could God show up in the middle of a field somewhere? Yeah. He didn't need, God didn't need this. The people needed this. God didn't need this. The, the, the people of God needed to be able to apply their resources, their time, their skill. All the stuff that we are needed to be applied as an invitation to say, God, we do want you here. God didn't need it. We needed that. Why? It helps us get the stuff out. It helps us get the lesser things away from our heart. Does that make sense? If I'm applying my skill and my resources and my finances and my time and all that to God, then the lesser stuff that owns my heart just starts to fall away. That's part of the powerful thing of giving. I think it helps the lesser things of our heart begin to fall away. Now watch this. This is awesome. In Exodus chapter 35, verse 30, Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord is called by my name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Good things come from the tribe of Judah. Right? That's, that's the tribe that, that Jesus' lineage comes from. goes on and says, and he was filled with the spirit of God, this man was, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with craftsmanship. Just imagine all that God has is upon Bezalel, Bezalel, upon him. Just like you, everything that God has upon you, all your giftings and all your resources and all your abilities and all that stuff. But then watch this, he activates that stuff. It says here, he was gifted with all that to devise artistic designs. Devise is a verb. To work in gold and silver, that's a verb. In cutting stones for setting, that's a verb. And in carving wood, that's a verb for work in every skilled craft. Here's a man that literally is going to begin to prepare to build the tabernacle. And God has uniquely gifted him with all this stuff that he can work, that he can have activity and action. Can God show up? Yes. But God gives us all that we have so that we can put it toward the things of God. And some will say, well, well, well wait a second, what about grace? Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there because they can only go so far. Jesus takes us into the full sufficiency. But here we see this, this man. Now watch this in verse 36. Bezalel and Ohiliab, another craftsman, in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Ohiliab, and after craftsmen, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Watch this. Everyone whose heart stirred him up to come do the work. I love that. I'm praying that today... My sermon will stir your heart up to do the work of preparing a place for him. To do the work of making space, of making room for the move of God in your life, you know. 
I pray that. It goes on and it says, and they received from Moses, I love this, all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And he said to Moses, watch this, these people keep bringing stuff. They keep applying stuff. They're like, we want to build this place for God. We want to build this tabernacle. We, we, they're bringing all these things to the workers. And it says this, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded us to do. Isn't that awesome? And that's the last time that we ever saw that in the church. Amen. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But that blows my mind. They're bringing more than enough. And that word more than enough just gets me excited because I'm thinking about El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. Why wouldn't I apply all my life to the El Shaddai, to the God that's more than enough, the God that's sufficient? Why wouldn't he be in my heart and my mind when it comes to how I order my day and how I order my relationships and how I order my finances and how I order my, my energies and my activities and my abilities? Why wouldn't he? And so the people are bringing more than enough to the point that, watch this, Moses gives command. A word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. That'd be like us at Momentum Church saying, listen, listen, we've got so many people wanting to love on babies. Let no man or woman do anything more to watch them kids back there and to serve, you know. Let no one help chip out their park anymore because it's driving them crazy. He's got too many people. Don't bring no more money in this house. You know, it's just too much. Don't, 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 don't. That blows my mind. But that's, that's how that was their expression. Man, they just, they wanted to add everything they had, all that they were to all that God was in that moment. It says this, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. And they're connecting with the sufficient God and God is sufficient. Let's stand to our feet. Now watch what happens. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. This is after everything's been built. This is after everything's ready. And I love that it's called the tent of meeting, this tabernacle. That's another name for it, the tent of meeting. It's a place prepared to meet with God. And it says they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses and he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar. And he set up the screen of the gate of the court. So, in other words, you have the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And now you have the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. And he set the screen up. So he's getting it prepared. But watch what it says. It says, so Moses finished the work. I love this. We're going to come back to that. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. What's the cloud? It's the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's a good thing. When the Holy Spirit shows up in that kind of power, and the cloud of God rests, that's a good thing. But watch. I was taken back one day when I read this. Watch what it says. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And as a child... I was raised up to see the power of God was so significant and so powerful, so rich, that there's just no way you can even go into it. No, 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 no. Watch. The Lord showed me this. This is, this is where Moses, who is a representation of the law, 
can't get us there, but Jesus can take us all the way in. Watch this. It says that Moses finished the work. And then we see the experience where the cloud is there, but they can't go in. No, no, no. The New Testament. Jesus comes to offer a new covenant. A covenant that really represents the all-sufficiency of God. And with that, our sin and our sickness and all our disease and all of our, our shortcomings don't keep us from God. But Jesus comes and he says something very powerful. He says, it is finished. Man, we walk right into the Holy of Holies. We walk right into what God has for us. I'd never seen that before. It's a picture of Moses getting us so far with the law. And Jesus, maybe, he walks us right in to all that God has. And the Bible says that the presence of God literally dwells within us. Amen? He's with us. He is God who's with us. Emmanuel, that's who he is. So the presence of God shows up, and when the presence of God shows up, I'm just going to tell you this, you will always find more, because He is all-sufficient, and with Him, nothing is lacking. Amen? So as we get ready to take communion this morning, I'm going to invite you all to come to the center aisles, to the center aisles. We're going to do this like good Catholics, okay? we got to figure this out. We're not used to this, okay? And then when you come and get your bread and your, your juice, if you would, back to the outsides and come back in, right? So center aisles and around, all right? But as you do that, I want you to ask God, God, what is it in my life that I've made room for that's less? What is it that has my attention, my focus, that holds on to my resources and my, my agenda and my abilities, my talent? What is it, God, that I've made room for that's less? And as you take it, Ask God to begin to show you what does it look like to make room for more. Amen? As the worship team begins to worship, would you please come at this time? I love in this song it says, what a friend. Hallelujah, what a friend. God was known as a friend. Abraham was known as a friend of God. I believe we're the same an opportunity to, to walk with that friend and talk with that friend, include them in every aspect of our lives. And today, as we get ready to honor His work on the cross, that work that allowed us to go all the way in to the Holy of Holies, that work that allows us to go all the way in to the presence of God, it didn't keep us short, not one bit. With His work, it allows us to experience the El Shaddai in all His sufficiency, in all His fullness. Take the bread, if you would. It was his body that was broken so that that could be possible. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, as we think about this, your flesh that was broken so that we can have life and life that's abundant, your flesh that was broken that we might live anew, your body that was pierced. Lord God, we don't let that, it's not lost on us. That was the price paid, Father. We thank you. You paid the price for my sin. But with it, the flesh that I have now is redeemed in you, Jesus. I can boldly come to the throne room of grace and walk after you, Jesus. Today, as I take this, I take it with faith and with confidence 
that I this week will boldly come into your presence. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and take it. As Jesus had instructed his disciples that when something was over, that he took the cup and he began to point to the cup and say that this is the blood of the new covenant. Old covenant fulfilled, and all that Jesus is to drink that cup in remembrance of Him. Today we're doing that. Jesus, this represents Your blood. There's still power in Your wonderful, wonderful blood, Lord. It represents that by Your stripes we are healed. Today we hold fast to Your sufficiency of healing. We hold fast, Lord, that it's your blood that covers our sins. And we hold fast that our sins have been covered by you, Jesus. Thank you for that grace. And so, Jesus, as we take this today, Lord God, we ask that we would not forget this week that that shed blood was shed so that we can have life, and that we can pursue you and walk after your presence. And that not one thing keeps us from that fellowship draw us into that place today, Jesus, in your name. We've ordered the service in such a way that we can find that place. As we worship here in the next little bit of time, can you forget about out there? That barbecue's going to wait. You may want to come to the altars as we continue worship here in the next little bit. You may just find that place right there in your seat. Let's make a place. Let's make room for God to have his way today. Amen? Amen. If, 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 if as you're doing that, the Lord has something in your heart that you want to share with somebody, I'm telling you, go talk to that person. If you feel like you need to pray for somebody, go pray with that person. If you feel like you need prayer, find somebody to pray with you. Just let God do what he desires to do in this house. Amen? Let's begin to pursue him right now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.